Oh, and welcome to the Bloody Shambles Soccer Show. It's been a while, but we're back. If you have listened before, you will know that I am James Cormack. And if you haven't listened before, then I just told you. I don't normally host. I usually sit in the corner and fall asleep until someone pokes me with a question or tries to take my beer. Um, but here I am. I'm your host for this evening, and it may be my last week. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, this is a bit of a reintroduction show, a bit of a preview. Uh, it's not going to be very intensive uh, because we haven't been around for a while, and you need to get to know people again. So go through who is here. Uh, I'm happy to announce that um, the two people we're going to talk to tonight are going to become regular contributors or semi-regular contributors to the Bloody Shambles Soccer Show and shambles.com. Uh, one of them I introduced already this week. Uh, if you pay attention to her social media, her name is Rebecca Townsend, also known as Pitch Bitch. And she released her first article this week um, as a prelude to the game against Charlotte Independence this week. So I'm going to introduce you to her and she is going to introduce you to our second guest. So welcome to the show, Rebecca Townsend. Thank you, James Cormack. It's a pleasure to be here. So give us a brief history of Rebecca Townsend. You've been around the team since day one, like everyone on this show tonight. So anyone that doesn't know Rebecca Townsend, what will you tell them? Well, thanks for having me. You've got a real live Hoosier here. I was born in Muncie, raised in between Bloomington and Clinton County. I consider Bloomington my hometown. I began playing soccer when I was 12 years old on a co-ed team. I grew up playing co-ed through high school. I went to a hippie school, though, so we only played dodgeball and steal the flag at my school. Uh, so I, I made a brief stop at Bloomington High School South, where I became uh, the first girl on the Bloomington South boys soccer team. Todd Yegley, who is currently the head coach at Indiana University, um, would have been a senior on that team that year. I was a, a junior, but he uh, hurt his knee, and so he was out on to have a good career in MLS before going on to coaching, by the way. But his father, legendary coach Jerry Yegley, put one of his assistant coaches and former players on that Bloomington South high school soccer team for that year, hoping that Todd would be playing. But Todd wasn't there, but Rebecca Townsend was, who was back then Becca Wilson. So Becca Wilson played for this guy named John Trask, um, who is currently the head coach of University of Wisconsin now, um, back in the day. So I didn't play with ladies until I showed up at Earlham College from out of nowhere. They had they nobody had heard of me, so they had already had preseason and everything. And I showed up and kind of shook things up as I want to do a little bit. And the coach and I kind of butted heads. Yeah, I was the first one off the bench, and I had to get some stuff out of my lungs, you know, and catch up with the girls with our suicides and things. <laughs> but uh, it, it was going well. But the coach and I kind of broke down. Ended up uh, quitting that team with a couple games left in the season. I covered it, though. I, I had a, you know what I called him back then? My, my column was then called Up Your Butt. So up I guess we're up on, I think we're all on, right. on, 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 on roll here. Let's get this started. <laughs> but, so I look back on that and, uh, you know, wish I, made, I had a better, better editor back in those days. But I was committed to covering the team. And uh, I played Ultimate Frisbee for the rest of that year and my sophomore year. But then I started dreaming about soccer. Like literally I was in the Southwest and we talked about visions already this week with the pitch pitch. So I was out there in the desert, you know, having visions of this green field and I could just, there was nothing on the field, but the goal at the very end of it, I could see the goal. And I said, I don't care who's the coach of the team. I'm going to return to Earlham college. And <laughs> I will play soccer. And I did. And we set the win record for that team. We had a defensive line like you wouldn't believe. I can't claim any credit because my sweeper and my goalie were the fucking bomb. <laughs> but we had a ton of fun. And, um, you know, 
gosh, that was back in the day, though, guys. Like, women's soccer players weren't that common still. Like, IU only got their women's team halfway through. Like, IU didn't have a home. My home didn't have a home for me when I graduated from high school. So maybe the most heartbreaking thing that ever happened in my soccer career was having my coach, like, he was great. He was the only guy that's ever had, like, any kind of discipline in my life. You know, he would just expect me to show up and expect me to perform even if I didn't feel great. You know, we just that's what you did just not an, anybody could do that you know <laughs> I was a wild child so I really am thankful to that coach but the end because it was really the first time I'd been coached aside from that one year from John Trask everything else was like showing up on fields with guys from around the world like I played with guys from around the world my entire life like that's because you're I was fortunate to grow up in a university town so that's what happens uh, so yeah not much actual <laughs> formal coaching so those last two years that junior and senior year I felt like I came, came out of a shell you know it's something special had happened mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in the elite soccer world, I was already old. Like, I was just dead at that point. Like, nobody cared because I wasn't at 12, you know, predestined to play striker or whatever. Striker, anyways. I was a defender, and I score from back to the back line. But uh, <laughs> uh, I remember asking my coach, so what do I do now, you know? Can I go, like, find a third-world country and you know, just kind of, like, coach them or play for them or just, like, find a team? And he's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> and I was like... Fuck you, man. Literally, I said, fuck you, man. And that 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 caused a rift with my coach, like, for years. It, it took him years <laughs> to forgive years. me. Yeah, to, <clears throat> Like, he, he doesn't remember it that way. Like, he loves me today, and he might not remember it that way. But, yeah, it, it took a while for it to for us to recover from that one. So I went on to start a restaurant. I did get a call. I got to do one pro tryout. Uh, they called me the day of or the day before <laughs> the tryout. Meanwhile, I was chain-smoking you know, children. Cigars are very, very bad. But back in the day, I ran a restaurant, my own 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week restaurant. It was in the middle of, like, renovations and repairs, and something was going on. And I was literally, like, lighting one cigarette off the other when when the telephone rings. And they're like, yeah, we're starting women's team. You want to come over and and try out? I'm like, yeah, sure. And everything went okay. But I remember walking off the field that day, and I was like, so what happens now? Yeah, thanks for coming. I'm like, oh God. I felt so fast forward to Indy 11 years later. So I probably, that was probably like the end of you know, my playing career. Well, aside from recreational soccer of all shapes and forms and coaching. But you know, fast forward years later, I'm on Michael Carroll Stadium field and we're doing tryouts. And I'm hearing all these guys going, they don't give a shit about us. Like, we're just here for like window dressing or something and i was just like oh man yeah i know how you feel it was like you'd be doing awesome stuff like literally i scored in that practice nobody nobody sees me score on this this top chick but i did learn about how people manipulate those tests too like has anybody here done a beep test? Our, our secret guest. No. I have, we, we haven't I've let our them. secret guest out of that. So you could yes or like yeah, not yeah, no beep test. Okay. Beep test is is some fitness test that they do. It's like suicides, except like you have to be back and forth between these times by the beep. Okay, and uh, they're like, okay, if you don't make it by the beep, then you have to step off. Okay. I was religious about the beep. So like when I the first time I missed my mark like by a, an inch, I step off. Which makes me look weak cardio- cardiovascularly, right? Like I should be able to be able to sprint all day long. I am the best sprinter, by the way. But over distance, over time, that's hard. And they were shaking people out. Well, I watched after I stepped off. Chicks were not stepping off. They were missing the beat. 
not fair. It's not, they didn't do the beep test at Indy Living this year. I think Justin Braun is the beep test king, isn't he? Is, I would, I, you know, I uh, fast forward to when we break this team down. That's one thing I want to give um, Justin Braun credit for, and it, it really kind of takes a lot for me to give strikers credit. But he's got <laughs> he's got a work ethic, and that's what I appreciate about him. Because what what I do bitch about strikers is when they're freaking lazy. Everybody else all does all the work, and they can't even run to can't even be bothered. It's yeah. ridiculous. We don't want to see that. Anyway. <laughs> Pedro <Lindy. laughs> right. So, so oh, hi. James, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got off on a soccer tangent, uh, but to bring it back to Indy 11, uh, in 2011, I was working as a professional journalist and I was, I was the news editor of Nouveau News Weekly here in Indianapolis. A sales manager comes in and says, Hey, uh, we got this guy that wants to start a, a professional soccer team. Um, we know that you like soccer. Can you come to this meeting with us? And I'm like, sure. And so uh, go to Bruges with my friend Mary Morgan and, and, and our other guy, and uh, he introduces me to Peter Wilt. Oh, this guy looks interesting. Never heard of him. <laughs> and uh, he, I said, so you're going to start a professional soccer team here, huh? And he goes, yeah. And I said, uh, well, who do you want to have be the coach? I said, John Trask. No way. The very guy that coached me in high school. I just, that was very strange. Like that, when you found out Martin Rennie was born in the same hospital, Indy 11 head coach Martin Rennie was born in the same hospital as you in Scotland, James. That's how I felt when this guy named Peter Wilt tells me he wants to hire John Trask as his soccer coach. I don't even know that many soccer coaches. How's he going to say the one I know? Yeah. The noises in the background are us opening beers, so just in case anyone's wondering. We want everybody to be comfortable. And I'm, I'm sitting here drinking. The pitch bitch is hydrated as uh, the others here are doing the opposite. We all. Mm-mm. I'm going to laugh every time you say the word butt now. So I'm just warning you in advance. So, so John Trask... Was did not become the eleven Indy eleven. John coach. Trask has a great deal. Uh, you know, I, I have not asked John Trask's input on why he, did, he why he's never showed up to be our coach, but I think it's pretty safe to say that he's got a sweet deal at University mm-hmm. of Wisconsin, and you don't walk away from that. And badger, I badger, thoroughly badger, badger. enjoy watching my former coach come and meet my my former high school friend Todd Yagley, who's now the head coach of IU. I love watching those guys battle. It's like going down there. Ooh, um, who's gonna win? Sunday, they're playing the U twenty one Mexico team. Nice, yeah. I've seen. I've seen, That's kind of a thing that they have going. It's not the first time, I think. So uh, Nearly, uh, that yeah. and that's Sunday. Sunday oh, noon. Thank, thank you for hipping me to that. I saw that they released their schedule down. this week. Uh, so yeah, it, w- over the course of this year, I predict many future broadcasts from the lovely <laughs> Bloomington, Indiana, where we do soccer so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. During your time, I mean, we, we've come up to the Indy 11 point now. I remember one of the most special things you did during that time. I can explain more what you did on a professional level with Indy 11, but tell us about the trip to Brazil. <laughs> um, okay. So I'd been covering then soccer since this team, this team arrived. Like I was doing social justice and environment and politics, all these other things, but this soccer team just sort of emerged and I had to cover it because not very many people know how to cover soccer. Not many people care. And I knew it's critical. All of a sudden I'm on the soccer beat. I'm getting to know this Peter Will guy pretty well. I'm hanging out with all these, these soccer guys. And, and Peter makes me realize that we have a very special soccer story and it's corresponding with this challenge that I've had a personal challenge I've made against myself, which is that I can't miss another world cup. 
like I, I missed the South Africa one. And I thought that I should just challenge myself to go. It's only every four years to get out and see the world. Gives you enough time to save. Like, why would I ever miss another World Cup? I, I, I'm, I'm married. I've got a kid. It's like, you got to get out there a little bit. Shake it up. Missed, missed South Africa. Brazil was coming. And I just knew. Now or never. Might not ever happen again in my lifetime. I love Brazilian soccer. I don't know that many marquee players like you guys. I don't watch all these leagues. All I know are like the classics. I know Pele. <laughs> these guys are special to me. So to think I could go see a World Cup and the United States is going to be in it. And yeah, so that's the personal challenge. You just got to go. And as a news person, all of a sudden, there's a very important Hoosier sports story that the soccer illiterate media is going to watch. And it, it, there's a racial element to this too, because with the national media crying about, Landon Donovan is not making the national team. Now, I don't have anything against Landon Donovan. Thank you for your service. What everybody failed to realize at that time was when Landon Donovan wasn't getting called, somebody else was. It was this little guy named Demarcus Beasley from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he was going to be the guy that made World Cup history by being the first U.S. player to play in four consecutive World Cups. Mm -hmm. And so I am very proud have used the power that was in my hands make a news cover it was all over the capital city in Demarcus Beasley's home state it says Indiana's Marcus Beasley makes World Cup history. It was an excellent article. I still have it too. I have it upstairs. I that means the world to me. Thank you. And that year, uh, Indy Eleven brought him down after the World Cup to they do that first kick. So yeah, they did. Cool. And Demarcus, um, before they left granted me the opportunity to give him an interview. This is a really funny story. Um, I got it. I, like, I, I had sent this random Facebook message out into the universe. DeMarcus, Rebecca, I live in your home state. I see that you have an important story. I'm happy to talk to you about it. I'm happy to use whatever power I can to let people know what you're doing. I think it's cool as hell. All of a sudden, expecting it one day, do the interview. <laughs> Great. I'm just going to set it up with the U.S. soccer people. And so it turns out they're practicing out at Stanford University and tell me what day to show up. And I've got my best friend of me from elementary school is like top divorced attorney in, in uh, San Francisco. So she's put me up. She gives me a car. I'm usually like running late or right on time, you know, just right when something starts. So I'm like, this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I've got to be there so early. So I there so and I got my stuff and security's out of the front of the, the university football field and I walk up I'm like I'm, I'm here to interview DeMar DeMarcus and I've got all my equipment so they don't even say anything I just walk in I walk into the stadium it's a beautiful May it's probably May it's because we're coming up on the same time four years ago and a beautiful California morning nobody else in this whole football stadium and all of a sudden these German coaches start walking in even Klinsman's friends they start putting down the cones, and I'm freaking out because I'm watching for real life. These guys are, like, organizing practice. And then uh, there's just these couple other media guys that show up, and they're sitting over there. And uh, I start kind of shooting the shit with them. And I'm like, yeah, you guys need to hire more women. And they're like, yeah, that's what Steve here is for. <laughs> God, you guys are, like, it's the whole thing. The sexism through the whole thing is just, like, I'm never going to get ahead. And I have to, like, make my own world. Anyway, so, but we're still, we're still shooting the shit and cutting it up. And I'm like, okay, so, guys, tell me the strategy here. How do we, what do we do when they, they come into the stadium? How do we tear pictures? Where are we standing? And they said, okay, so all the guys are going to come down this tunnel here. And we're going to stand right here. So 
I go with these guys. And it's just basically like the four of us, all right? We're standing and, and the, right on the edge of the field where the players come through. It's every single one of the entire national team two weeks before the World Cup. And Jurgen Klinsmann, all of them, I could touch them <laughs> right in front of me, just walk into the field. I'm just like, this is surreal as hell. This is how the fuck did I get here? What the hell is going on? So then the, the photographers that, uh, that have kind of hit me to the scene, they peel off and start walking down the sideline, like down the 100-yard the width of the, or the length of the football field. I go right behind them. I'm wearing kind of a tight-fitting dress today. And it's, not, it's not too bad, you know. It's jersey knit. I'm not trying to show off too bad. I'm just trying, you know. It's, like, difficult to figure out what to wear on a day like this, honestly, right? I have the same problem. I'm day. not planning on playing any I, soccer today, I you know. Back you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but all of a sudden, you guys, are, again, the only woman on this entire soccer field with all the freaking national team. And, like, three dudes on the other end of the field. I might have stood out just a little. I don't know, but still, nobody said anything. So I've got my camera. I've got a video camera. And the entire practice is laid out before me. I'm literally on the sideline, and they're literally on the other side of the sideline. Do the whole practice. And Bergen's there. Marcus is doing all this stuff. There's Graham Zuzzi. All of a sudden, this dude in a suit started walking down the sideline. And I'm like, I bet that's my media contact. So as soon as he gets like in my vicinity... I introduce myself. I'm like, hey, whatever your name is, I'm Rebecca. What are you doing here? I'm like, well, it's whatever the day is and the time, you know, to be here. And he's like, well, I open practice. And I was like, well, do you see any media here? And I was like, yeah, those guys. And he's like, that's ESPN 30 for 30. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Then I realized he was fucked because it's a media person's job to like control this stuff. And now he's got somebody that has just been videotaping the entire practice. And if he kicks me off the field, it's going to make a scene. Like people are all of a sudden going to aware, be aware something is wrong. Only it just walked away. No problem. So then after practice, DeMarcus comes up and we sit for another 20 minutes and talk career and gave a shout out to the Pacers because it was playoff time. I mean, it was just like this time, four That's years awesome. ago. And then when Indy 11 brought DeMarcus the game after the World Cup was thrilled to be able to share just the tiniest story with him. He was hadn't said a word to him. He'd been bombarded by everybody that wanted to say something to him at the stadium, and he was just getting ready to walk away for the night. I said to Marcus, just tell you this one thing. After that night in Salvador, when you guys were kicked out by Belgium, I went to the interior, like six hours country. Long story short, like wilds, like Canyon country, back hills, it's another, like, the, it was another world, I firmly believe, like, I, but I left this universe and, like, went into some kind of ulterior dimension. In that place, ran across this kid, had just gotten back from Australia, some Brazilian musician, just back from Australia, meeting him on some mountain next to a waterfall in the middle of the sticks, DeMarcus, sky, in my Broken Portuguese were breaking down what happened in Salvador. And this kid is saying, the United States team looked good. And I said, yeah, DeMarcus, I thought the United States team looked good. You guys did good. People around the world recognized what you guys did. And the kid, random kid in the middle of nowhere, named you, DeMarcus, when it came to who he wanted to say he was impressed with on the team. I didn't prep him. 
I didn't say where I was from. I didn't, I didn't give him the Indiana speech. Out of his own mind came to Marcus Beasley. That made me so happy to be able to say that to him. I hope it, I hope it means something to I'm him. Sure, it that's did. so cool. Now, I can relate to that's... part of that story because, like, this month of April has been so cold. I don't know whether to go with summer dress or capri pants. <laughs> like every day, it's like I can't make my mind up. But and now here you are uh, working for Bloody Shambles. It's incredible. <laughs> Quite the circuitous journey. <laughs> so anyway, uh, why don't you introduce our next guest? Who we've already heard. You can't mistake that beautiful voice. No, you cannot. Um, you yeah, tell it because we've, so... we've all known each other Gosh. as long as each other has known each other. So you introduce our next guest. I remember the first time I saw you. <laughs> the first was time. Was in Union Jack. Ever I saw your face. There was a team event. I can't remember the next line of the song, but it would be really cool if I, I did. Yeah, it would be. Can't even remember. It was so early, but I remember there was a table and there was Jurgen Summer and you. I don't know if anybody was else was at that table or not. I think it was either Kaluter or Peter Wilt that said, This is Kijo, our new community relations guy. I thought this thing's gonna be all right. Then you open your mouth, and not only are you a beautiful face, but you're a great soul. And Gijo Gordon, we've been at this forever now. We have Rebecca, and we've had a ton of fun. I think that our heart is in the same place. So tell, tell, let's let's see, um, so that people who haven't met you yet can get to know you. Let, let's go back to that point in time in your life. How in the heck did you get to that table that night? I'm a native New Yorker. I uh, moved to Indiana back in 2006. I'm here for a girl. She accepted a, she was studying her PhD and accepted a fellowship at DePaul University. Moved from Brooklyn, New York to Greencastle, Indiana and you know, had a bit of a extreme culture shock scenario happen right there. <laughs> so I was in Greencastle for two years and then made my way to Indianapolis. Um, worked at a couple different places, started at Angie's List for a couple months, spent two and a half years at the International School of Indiana, worked at IUPUI in the Office of International Affairs, I'm catering in town, kind of got to know town a little bit. I was at a crossroads when the team came to town. I remember I was living, there was a bar next door. I used to be a pretty you know, irregular bartender. was a huge soccer fan, C fan, pulled it against them. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, we talk soccer all the time. We're allowed to cuss on this show, so <laughs> fuck Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Chelsea. So he, uh, we're, we're chatting, and he's like, this team's coming. You should, you should apply. I'm like, what? No way I'm getting this job. You know, he's like, I, I don't know. You should reach out to them. So randomly, I'm in Chatham Tap watching my team play in the Champions League, and your Will walks in with Paco Espinoza, who was working for Indiana Soccer at the time, and I think he still is. Yep. They walk in, and I get briefly introduced, and then through a mutual acquaintance, we got connected. Ended up meeting with him, and uh, he asked me what I wanted to do. I'm like, I just want to give a voice people in this town who don't have it through soccer, especially the underserved communities. And we had a few more conversations. You know, I basically worked for free for the first four months with the team. So that first Whoa, meeting. That's love. That's well, soccer love right he there. He asked me, he said, uh, you know, why don't you work on XYZ and get back to me in a few weeks. We'll touch base. We met at Chatham Tap for, for my interview. And then right after me, so we, our interview ended at halftime of this Champions League game. I went to sit with my friends and watch the rest of it. And Larry Lindy, who's now the current director of sponsorships, looks in after me as his interview with Peter, who was rescheduled from the office to there because of me. I take pride in that. <laughs> <laughs> so Larry walks in and 
they have their meeting, the game's over, everyone files out, but Peter and I and a few other people still in the bar. He's about to walk out. I said, Peter, what you asked me to research, I will have it to you by Friday instead of a few weeks. Uh, and he said, okay. I got it to him on Friday. And on Monday, I checked in. He gave me other stuff to research. It's Friday. I gave him what I found. I did that for four months. And he, you know, oh. I got hired. So I <laughs> That's kinda, fascinating because I, I, I didn't I, know anything about you I, I before it. you. Yeah, you are. Joined yeah. the team, so a that's lot. really cool. No, I really did. I mean, I was, I was, I talking about uh, your soccer history. I've got on my my car keychain here my very first medal <clears throat> from Geneva, Switzerland, it's 1988. Um, that's. I I want to ask a further question from what you've just said because you say you're a native of New York, which is really cool. I've always been really foggy about your background because I want to nice. say when I describe Gijo to other people. When you're not around, yeah. <laughs> I'm like he's Cuban, Haitian, Swiss, American. Yes, this this award says so, Tribune de Genève, wherever you say 40th in in French, Tournée Scolaire de Football, and also in French, 1988. So right. you had a what does it mean? I was 11 years old. Yes, dating myself, but see, uh, uh, Tribune de Genève is the, the the paper of Geneva. It's a 40th tournament, uh, scholastic tournament of football. Cool. So it's been I'm the 40th year, so it's pretty cool. So give us the cultural and heritage background of Gijo. I will give you the cliff notes, absolutely. So I was born to Cuban-Haitian parents in New York City. My my biological father is Haitian and my biological mother is Cuban. Divorced when I was one. My mother remarried an uh, Irish-American gentleman who uh, hailed from Manchester, Connecticut. And they, they worked in the same building in New York. It's kind of a love story the way they got together, but that's for another time. And uh, he is a patent attorney, so he accepted a contract position at the World Health Organization in Geneva, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. So I was four years old. We moved to Geneva. Grew up in Geneva from four to uh, till, oh, I was 12 years old, eight years in Geneva. My mother, instead of putting me in the local uh, international school with other American kids, she put me in, a local, in the local school system. So I grew up thinking I was a little, little Swiss boy. Yeah, I was reminded every now and then that I wasn't. Um, still consider myself from Geneva in, in a lot of ways. It, it laid the foundation for how I look. You really are from Geneva in a I lot mean, of yeah. ways. How I look at the world, you know, Swiss people are, are modest. They get a lot, you know, I don't know. It's just the, the worldview started there. I got older, I started gravitating to other parts of my culture, especially the Cuban, my, my culture, because I didn't grow up around the Haitian side. Amazing. I mean, I'm jealous to be honest with you. That kind it's of background. confusing as I a would love. child, trust me. So... I, I mean, I've played soccer with you, and I've watched you play soccer. You're, you're very good. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't say you're brilliant. Yeah, you're not, really. not bad. <laughs> At what point in your life and which country did you did you start getting interested in soccer? So it started there. Um, just from I still remember from this medal. Still remember being on a like a it's an overcast day evening on the pitch, just being like happy. Um, it's been that way. So I played. I played then. When we moved to the states, I tried to be more American. No, it was really stupid. So I played American football and basketball. Ended up going to a Division three school in Northeast Pennsylvania to play basketball, but I also got a chance to play Division three soccer for two years. Pick up um, after that, and then you know, when a chance to work for a professional soccer team and get it going off the ground was a dream come true. I mean, it's oh. it's more than a dream come true. It's I like mean, incredible. It's, that can... we, we could probably talk about that in another show all night. Just how incredible. From, from different people's perspectives, because for those who don't know, I come from Scotland, and I moved here 15 years ago, and I grew up in a country where the teams that you love and you support have already existed for 100 years. Right. And you don't, 
you, you have to reach over a barrier to touch one of the players. You don't have those relationships with players and coaches and staff like Gijo. You know, it just never happens. But but being part of Indy 11, the thought that always comes back to me is of people in 100 years' time. And imagine what it would have been like to be there at the start. Mm-hmm. What would it have been like? We were there. We were. Just hope the team doesn't hope it fold. sticks around for 100 years. <laughs> I hope so, too. Me, too. That first night, the first game... At another Gijo moment, walking down, we were walking down the sideline as the, as the game was getting ready to begin. There was still music in the air, and it was that song "Happy" mm-hmm. was on. It was playing all the time, and so "Happy" was on. Gijo's walking one way, I'm walking the other. Dude, we caught each other's eye, and we get, we high five yeah. because it was like, we're, heck yeah, we're I mean, happy. This is insane. It's just <laughs> it crazy. Was. It to was a <laughs> part of all this. I mean, over the last couple, but I'm a full disclosure. Now the club team is Real Madrid. Take it or leave it. I don't care. I've got my own reasons for that. But Real Madrid's my team. The New York Cosmos was our first uh, game on the schedule for the first two years. And the second year, they signed Raul Gonzalez Blanco, who's the Real Madrid legend, second leading all the all-time leading scorer now after Ronaldo. I met him. You know, I talked to him. Mind blowing. Alessandro Nesta, you know, who was the coach of Miami FC. I, I met him twice. You yeah. Know? Hosted Chelsea and uh, Inter Milan before we played our, our first game at, at Lucas Oil Stadium. I remember holding the, like moving the partition for Mourinho, holding Mourinho to go talk in the, in the press room. He and Gabe Peters holding the, the partition open and him turning to us to say, Thank you. I asked him a question. <laughs> no, I'm like, Ah, Mourinho. I, th- I think everybody that supports this team or has been involved around this team has a story like that That's because insane. in 2016, I think it was 2016, it might have been 2015, when Raya OKC were in the league. Yep. Uh, Georgia Sam, they signed Georgia mm-hmm. Samaras. It, you know, he's a Real Madrid fan, and I don't like Real Madrid much, but I'm a Celtic fan. A Madrid. Georgia Samaras is an, he's not just a great player, he's a cult legend at Celtic, just because of his character and the stuff he does off the field. He works with special needs kids, works with Down Syndrome kids. There's a Down Syndrome kid called Jay, He's famous at Celtic because he's always on the sideline. Players give him his medals and stuff. He has an everlasting friendship with this Down Syndrome kid. He still FaceTimes and stuff with this kid to make sure that he's having a great day. When he played here for Rio OKC, took my, I was doing my usual press thing and my photos and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. I took my Celtic shirt in my bag. It was the shirt from the year or years that he played. And I had to go up and catch him as he was leaving at the end of the game. And I was pitching a tent. I was so <laughs> excited, man. I was ner- I couldn't even talk. All I said, I handed him the shirt and says, Georges, can you please sign this for me? I- and thank you for everything you did for my club. And that was all. And he didn't say nothing. He just signed it, walked off. <laughs> He's like, out. so like, relieved. There are so but many anyway, like that. Um, Gijo Garden. Have him on the show tonight for to talk about something. It's not the reason we have him on the show because he's now going to become a part of Buddy Shambles' family mm-hmm. and deservedly so because he's so awesome. Uh, what we didn't mention earlier is that Gijo, Gijo, I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Gijo is the former uh, director of community relations at Indy 11. He's now part of a very important group, uh, which we maybe can get him to touch on a little bit Starfish Initiative. He's also involved with Indiana Futsal, which is what we really want to talk about. So um, tell us quickly what you're doing at Starfish Initiative, and then let's move on to the Indiana Futsal Project in Cuba. I'd love to, James. Thank you very much. 
Starfish Initiative is uh, it's my day job now. Basically, what I do is uh, I'm a match specialist and uh, do a lot of our community outreach, but we're an organization that works with 21st century scholars in the state of Indiana. So for those of you who are not aware of what a 21st century scholar is, Indiana has a special scholarship opportunity for um, high schoolers who live, whose families are uh, underneath a certain um, economic level, qualifies them to get free tuition, in-state tuition, if they hit certain requirements each year of their high school years. What we do is we match them up with mentors who are college educated to help guide them through that process and ensure that those kids get to go to school for free if they stay in the state of Indiana. Awesome. Nice. Starfish, yeah. So I was looking for mentors, by the way. I'm going to do a quick plug. It's a really great organization. I'm not going to apply for that job. We don't want you, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, We value frankness it's, it's here. A, yeah, we, if, I, if I can't ask, I, I'm not going to Did you hear me? I'm try, I said we're trying to guide kids. Yeah, no, we don't need your help. Yeah, yeah, appreciate yeah, the yeah. offer. Um, it's a two-year commitment. Uh, we don't sign you, you know, sign you a contract in blood or anything. We know life changes and you got things to do. But these kids uh, have had a lot of upheaval in their lives and they need some guidance. And I know there's a lot of good people out there who might want to use their time that way. So if so, reach out to me. Excellent, excellent. This is the, the, exactly the kind of guy you want in that kind of job because he loves people so much. I do enjoy it. So tell us about Indiana Futsal and Cuba. We know that you have Cuban background and you've been there recently. And you've been heavily involved in the Indiana Futsal uh, program that kind of kicked off around about the same time as Indy 11. It's true. So give, so. Us a, give us a history of that and your involvement and the project uh, that's coming up and how people can help. Gladly. So yeah, Indy 11 started, as you guys all know, January 23rd, 2013, or January 16th, 2013. 16th, because it's Jasmine, that's my right. daughter's Sorry, birthday. My mistake. Same day. That was a year that, uh, that you know we announced ourselves in a unseen. I came on board on June 17th of 2013 as a community relations director. And after about a year, uh, I was also given the director of international markets, which was slightly misleading because I'm not going abroad trying to secure players or, or sponsorships, but it's more working with the international communities in town. So one of the things that we thought might be an easy way to engage those communities was to go where they are and bring the game of soccer to them because anybody who follows the game of soccer in, uh, in the United States knows Sadly, it's become a pay-for-play scenario for youth soccer, uh, for people to get involved in youth soccer. A lot of representation up north, Carmel, Fishers, Zionsville, and a lot of people playing soccer up there. Yet, down in uh, you know the more urban areas, they're playing, but there's no, there's no clean pitch, no clean soccer fields for them to run on. But we, we wondered how can we you know, provide them with the game of soccer and afford, well, let's build courts. That was one of the things that we started out with was building futsal courts and Myself and now the director of futsal, Justin Bate, who's an intern at Indy 11 at the time, we were working on finding locations to build these courts. We found Rodius Park, which is on the near side, <clears throat> right by George Watson High School, with Indy Parks Rec to uh, repurpose a tennis court, and that's where the futsal initiative really took off. So since then, they've built the two more courts. He's got a few more um, pipeline that he's working on. For me, that being like my really big pet project from the beginning, I've never let that go. I love the game of soccer, period, but especially serving the communities we were serving. So I went down to Cuba, like you mentioned. Uh, March 2016, I was down there. My mother's Cuban. She's been helping out. Cuban pe- the Cuban people, our family, for years. I can try to bring them up to speed with best practices, all kinds of levels. And here, her friend is the... Uh, the head of the Department of International Studies at Tuck University, which is the first MBA program in, in the United States. They were looking to go to Cuba because it was starting to open up at that time. So 
He asked me if I wanted to come. At the time, I just said yes. I didn't take a vacation in three years, of course, and didn't think twice about it. Comes for the trip. It's right around my birthday. It's I spent my birthday down there, and President Obama was down there. Kind of momentous, and it, it had been nine years since I've been to Cuba. So all that stuff hit me. It was really impactful. The biggest thing, I mean, I was working for Indy 11 at the time. Everywhere I walked, and this is no exaggeration, kids are playing futsal in the streets. They're everywhere. I mean, every hard surface, kids are playing. The reason for that is in Cuba, as I'm sure you guys are all aware, is a socialist country, has a bit of a repressive regime, and everything is state-controlled, including television. So for years, they would only show volleyball <clears throat> and basketball and some boxing, Olympic sports. <laughs> 2012, though, they decided to show La Liga, which is the, the top flight Spanish league and the English Premier League every weekend. Cost. Guess what happened? Baseball is now the second sport in, wow. in Cuba. This is the, the kids have taken over this sport. They own it. My chagrin when I went down there, the majority of the island supports Barcelona. I had to, I had to hold and, and fly the Real Madrid flag high. Um, but I don't care because all these kids are playing soccer. I mean, it's, it's really... it's. Incredible. So I, I went down there, blew my mind, came back to the team, sent out an email through my Indy 11 email to people I got introduced to at uh, in, in Old Havana, Havana Vieja. It's this organization called Arte Corte. They were in the process of putting together a futsal league for the community kids. This organization is a community organization that uses, that tries to teach a trade to the youth. In this case, it's cutting hair. So they repurpose an old barbershop in Old Havana. It's like the prettiest barbershop you've ever seen in your life. Uh, and they work with community kids to teach them a trade. But then they also extend into the community in many, many ways. And one of those ways is through engaging them through Saul. I emailed them back in spring 2016. Never got a response. I left the team in summer of 16. Thought, ah, this dream is dead. Not going to happen. <clears throat> Fast forward to January 2018. Mother and I copied my mother on the initial email because she made the connection. She gets an email and forwards it to me and says, does this mean anything to you? It's from uh, De Corte. It goes, que hola, papito. Remember us? Finally got the futsal league off the ground. Do you still want to partner with us? I'm like, wow. what? <laughs> um, so Justin and I are still good friends. We talk on a regular basis. I sent it to him. He's the director of futsal. I said, can we do anything with this? He goes, yeah. Then we had to get the blessing of the leadership that he falls under. He, uh, Indiana Futsal falls under, underneath the uh, umbrella of Indiana Soccer Association, the amateur uh, organization for, for soccer in the state of Indiana. We approached Dave Guthrie, who's the executive director, had a conference call with him, my mother, our contacts in Cuba, and our team. Sold, and after that, he said, go forth, go on. Yes. If you guys can raise the money, go. <clears throat> That's where we are. Uh, that was a month and a half ago, so everything's moving really quickly. <clears throat> We're going to be down there from May 16th to May 26th. I don't even want to know how many days that is. I don't want to know. It's, it's mm -hmm. very close. Ten. Yeah, thanks. Um, but our, our big fundraiser is coming up on May oh, 4th. Oh, sorry, you'll be down there for 10 days. <laughs> I'll be down there for 10, if not in 10 days, trying to give me a heart attack. But uh, Yeah, May 16th is like 18, so is that, is that 20 days away. A week yeah. from tonight, there's a big party, right? So a week from exactly tonight, hopefully you guys will be joining us. I'm definitely going to be there because I'm getting hammered drunk. If there's beer and ice cream, I'm coming. Well, there's, there's beer. There's a dance Floor. There's a huge dance floor. So to tell you a little bit about the evening, obviously we've got a GoFundMe page, by the way. If you guys want to check that out and make a donation to this event or to the project, we'd appreciate it greatly. The, the fundraiser itself is, as fundraisers goes, we're not, we're not asking too much of you. We're asking you to show up, show up have a good time, and, and contribute. It's $5 at the door. Um, we're going to have raffle items for you to purchase at the door if you want to. But really, we want you to come out, enjoy some 
local brews, uh, Sun King and Centerpoint Brewing have donated some beer to the event. Uh, we're going to have uh, El Venezolano, which is a Venezuelan arepa truck, food nice. truck that's going to be there. Wondering why have a Venezuelan food at a Cuban event? Well, in the real world, we are allies, so it makes sense to me. And arepas are delicious. Hey, I've looked at pictures of arepas because I had to Google it because I don't know what they are. Yeah. And it looks amazing. They, it looks kind of like gyros. Exactly. It's uh, the Latin version of a gyro, except for like pork and delicious. Hero, hero. Hero, hero. It's debatable. My how culture you sucks. It. It's fantastic. <laughs> and actually, my last name comes from your, your culture. Yes, it does, actually. I yeah. have three plaids. Yeah. yeah. Plaids, plaids. How do you say it? Actually, it happens to be the part of Garden Ramsey's name. I hate that guy. Too, so, yeah. I'm sorry. But Garden is a good last name. It is it's a good last name. Not a good first name. name. No. It's a good last name. I am I'm pretty happy with it. Um, so this event's going to be, if you guys are familiar with the Near East Side, and if you're not, this is a good chance for you to come check it out because there's a lot of good stuff going on over there. Um, there's a, uh, a building called the Circle City Industrial Complex. Houses right now, Centerpoint Brewing and the Ruckus Makerspace. And if you haven't checked that out yet, do yourself a favor and do so, especially that night because it's going to be first Friday. Opportunity for local entrepreneurs to get their own business off the ground. You can rent space there to produce your own wares and, and peddle your own wares. Um, here, they're going to be opening up a second building, and that's where we're going to be. So the address is 1417 Commerce Avenue. If you've gone uh, Mass or Brookside Avenue, you go over to railroad tracks, and there's a building that has the Indy flag painted on the, uh, on the side of the building, so you cannot miss it. That's where we're going to be. Um, so we're going to have Cuban live Cuban music. There's going to be Cuban music, beer, food, and ice cream. The only thing you could add to that to make it better would be bacon. We're working Basically. on that. There's going to be versions of pork, so you know yeah. if you can work with that. But the the <laughs> other really cool thing we're going to have. I told you I was down there when Barack Obama was down there. President Obama was down there. He gave a speech about opening up relations with Cuba. Um, and just now, Cuba's in the news because we've had a change of leadership. Uh, Raul Castro has stepped down, and we have a new president. People are asking a question. So how does Cuba move forward? Is it going to open up again, or is it going to open up? Well, our infrastructure in Cuba is horrendous. There's no, there's no progress to be made in the immediate future on like the tech front. Tech companies can't really go in there. Um, there's also no real business climate. We have two currencies. There's no really, there's no climate for business. So. European businesses that want to come in or American businesses want to come in, it's still going to be quite a challenge. What are the currencies? Are they using Caribbean dollar? They have, uh, so they use the American dollar and the uh, Cuban, the cook is what they call cook? it. The, yeah, the cook. It's a Cuban peso. Those are two currencies that they use. But the one thing that the Cubans, the Cuban people have, uh, mi gente, is a entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, we're hustlers. Not in a negative sense. We just have to do, we've had to figure out Know, how to take care of ourselves with very little. Do it with what we call alegria, just joy in their heart. Um, so Sounds like Scotland a little bit to me. And that's why we're kindred spirits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, President Obama gave a speech two years ago, and he cited the person that he meant that he thought embodied this entrepreneurial spirit, and guess who it was? It's Papito, who runs Arte Corte. So hopefully he's going to be able to join us on a Skype call on, the, on May 4th. If not, he, he'll probably record a video so that whoever attends can hear a little bit about the history about Ate Corte, how he got involved, and what drives him to do the work he does despite the limited resources that they have because he has turned around Havana Vieja. If you'd been there 10 years ago, you would not recognize it now because of the work they've done as an organization. Very it's pretty cool. cool. So, so we feel really lucky to be with those guys. So what is, what is Indiana Futsal looking to achieve with this project in Cuba, what, what is the, like, the final outcome? What's going to be done? That's a great, great question. So... Basically, we're not going down there 
I'm going to use a uh, comic book reference. That I just saw a big comic book movie last night, Infinity War. Go see it. It's amazing. Uh, Black Panther. I don't know if you guys seen it. but if Not you yet. Have, okay. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's, a, it's a country that's in Africa that's never been colonized. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the attitude of uh, uh, service sometimes can come off as misguided colonized countries to, to countries that are, that are lacking in resources. We wanted to make sure from the jump that we did not approach any situation with them like that. Not coming to you as experts in anything. Working as this, this is an exchange of ideas and resources. We have as much to learn from them as they have to learn from us. If they've harnessed that excitement for the game into an incredible movement on the island, we want to learn how to harness that here. The game already is moving, but there's so much potential for us to grow it. So we want to learn how to see what kind of policies they put in place to facilitate that. The thing we wanted, and they reached out to us for this, is that we've built some courts here, have a lack of courts and resources there. We want to try to leverage the connections we've made, we've made and, and kind of the things that we've learned over the years in building those courts and help them achieve those goals. So it's a back and forth, um, <clears throat> and there are, there are a few more aspects to it um, because we, I mentioned the entrepreneurship angle with, with Papito. So many community organizations in Indianapolis here that could probably learn from what he's accomplished. Yeah. Because um, to me, being a director of community relations for Indy 11 and seeing communities um, that are unre- unrepresented in Indiana so long and working with the team, we were able to give them a voice. I don't, I look around the city and I don't see who else is doing that. It concerns me because yeah. there's a lot of people here who need their voices heard. And so we're trying to empower those voices. So, I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I recognize the word tournaments in this. So, what is going to happen here in Indiana? What's going to happen in Cuba? Is there going to be going to be a tournament event? Are you actually going to build stuff? Or so we are helping run two tournaments. There's going to be a women's tournament that we're going to help run the first weekend that we're down there, a women's adult tournament, and then we're going to help run a men's tournament the following week. So we're helping that, helping them out with down there and then also start scouting out locations and start figuring out what's it going to take for us to build one or two courts down there. Uh, here, we have, we're going to have our third, third or fourth annual Mayor's Futsal Cup, um, which is a World Cup-style tournament that takes place in downtown Indianapolis. The first year was at Pan Am Plaza. It's going to be the fourth one. First one was at Pan Am Plaza. Second one was at the Circle City Industrial Complex. Last year was in front of the Capitol Building, and this year it'll be there again. It'll take place sometime, I think, in August, uh, late August or early September. That's a, I mean, that tournament, you're talking about seeing Indianapolis international culture come out, especially the soccer one. That, that, that weekend's a good one for people to come out and really rub, rub elbows with people from all over the world who love the game of, of was, soccer. Was it a South American team that won? Who's been, who's been winning that? The last tournament? two years, the people who've been running the tournament is Bahrain. And they Whoa. are ballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This past final was Bahrain against Mexico, which my good friend was the captain of, Diego Limas. Shout out to you, Diego. Uh, sorry you lost, but uh, those guys were, were ballers. Yeah, they, wow. they did good work. So, so Bahrain's the one to beat. They are. Oh. Ali, Prince Ali. On the flyer for the, the, the Friday night event, mm-hmm. there's numerous groups involved, one of what you've already mentioned. So who's involved in this fundraising event uh, from the Cuban perspective? What are the groups? What can we learn about? Can we follow those groups? Well, right. So um, we're still working to tie down a few groups. Uh, there's one in particular. I can't mention them because they're not they're not uh, firmed as of yet. But uh, they are as traditional Afro-Cuban as you can get in the state of Indiana. Um, their connections uh, to that extend deep. And again, 
kind of talk about them when they're confirmed. And I'll That's do that. Cool. <laughs> That's fine. But uh, we're hoping they can show up. We're going to have some good uh, Afro-Cuban percussion there for people to enjoy. And we have a band that has just committed today. I'm really excited. Uh, Sweet Poison Victim, if you guys have ever heard them. Great band. Great band. They typically uh, cover some Afrobeat stylings, and it'll be no different here, just with a Cuban twist. So we're really excited to have those guys there because... No, you can't sit still. Yeah, Carl, uh, we should probably should mention Carl Selm, who's a man- uh, member of that band. We call him Crazy Carl. He's been part of the Brickyard Battalion from a long time ago. As has, as has, as has, I can't do this. As, has, as his- has his brother, Nico Selm, who's another really cool guy. Shout out to Nico and so, Carl. Yeah. Love you guys. Sweet Poison Victim or much world culture fusion exactly it's a fusion yeah. band and and they're very adaptable and flexible and this time they're gonna they're gonna focus more on the afro-cuban yeah really good sound band. so i'm yeah. really excited to have them we got a couple djs uh dj andy beck who uh is really responsible for are you guys familiar with cottage home on the near east mm-hmm. side it's a, 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 na- it's a neighborhood neighborhood and it's a there's a community area there where they've in the last couple of years really leveraged that space to have some really cool international themed community events He's going to be part of it. Um, Jay Stefan, who's been a DJ at uh, the World the Futsal Cup the last couple of years, is a good friend. He's going to DJ. Um, DJ Kyle Long, I believe, is possibly going to spin that evening, although yeah. I don't have that 100% confirmed, but this is putting a little pressure on you, Kyle. Um, so I hope you can join us. And uh, who else do we have? It's going to be a great lineup. I mean, essentially... It's five dollars. It's five dollars to get in. Did you say and there was nothing. a call out for stuff? Or are you supposed to bring donations? Are you? There, are you? How, oh, what are you packing a, when you go? It's no? gonna. It's five dollars at the door. Yeah, it's five dollars for the event. But there's a GoFundMe page. And after this podcast, we'll we will let everyone be aware of those where they can go and donate money if they need to. I just didn't know if they were taking any gear also, like shoes or shin guards or anything like that. Well, we're, we're bringing down uh, futsal balls and I think some equipment. Um, so, yeah, we might actually money. make a call out for people to bring equipment. Yeah. But it, Money pretty much helps with everything. Money so. money is money money talks. cliche, but money does talk, and that's that's what's going to help us get down there and, and have the biggest impact. So cool. Because, and that's the other thing, I'm glad you brought that up, there are travel restrictions with what you can bring down there. So we're very limited in the resources that we can bring, but we can bring money to mm-hmm. purchase resources. If that makes sense. That does make yeah. sense. So uh, we will supply links for everything that Gijo has talked about um, on our Twitter account and uh, also link to this podcast when we uh, release it as well. So um, we'll and move on. One, one real quick yeah, thing. One Sorry, because uh, once you guys see the promotion for the event, I just don't want you to be confused or be intimidated by the name of the event because it's called Un Poquitico de Cuba. And what un poquitico means, means just, so in Spanish, un poco, un poquito means a little. Cubans, we add tico at the end of most things. So it's un poquitico, which is a tiny, tiny little bit. Uh, so it's a li- little slice of Cuba is the name of the event. It's like cita or in e- Spanish, exactly. like cita. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, un poquitico uh, de Cuba is the name of the event. And uh, I don't want to be obnoxious, but we just need you to support us un poquitico for this to be a success. So yes. come on out. Yeah. Definitely come yeah, out. Tu sabe. Everyone, <laughs> everyone from Bloody Shambles is going to be there. So if you ever <laughs> if you ever felt some weird need to meet someone from Bloody Shambles, we'll be there. Um, so James Beard is looking very well manicured. <laughs> I think it'd be worth your while if you met him. 
No, your lines are way straight. I just saw them today, so it's not fair. Um, but yeah, we'll, maybe you we'll, guys can groom each other. <laughs> we'll wrap that weird. up. Uh, <laughs> That'll be our first video cast. <laughs> from, from our side of things, we're going to continue to promote this event right up until the day before. Appreciate or, or it. The day of. Um, we kept you listening long enough, um, and we did talk some ND Eleven, and we probably released some tidbits that people haven't heard before. Pocosito. Poquitico. Poquitico. Sí, un poquitico. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for anyone that's tuned in to listen to news about the 11, we're really sorry about that. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll just have a the real... The next game, the next home game is May 2nd at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's right. Against oh, Cincinnati. Against a, Cincinnati. A Wednesday Cincinnati. night game. We have to right. work yes. double time for you gotta those bring Wednesday the heat. night games. We know it's difficult for people. Our next home game is Wednesday at 7 p.m., but you must come. And then we have one more noon game on on Saturday the 5th. Cinco de Mayo and Kentucky Derby Day against Louisville City. And we really need people to come out. Just cancel plans. Just do whatever you can. Just be there because this team is fucking amazing right now. The team is is killing it, and uh, and also relating to this Cuba trip, I've asked some of the supporter groups to possibly come up with a Cuban chant that might be introduced that day. And if it's Ooh. not introduced today, I might introduce my own. So come out there nice. so we can sing a little Cuban themed chant for to support the team. Excellent. So we'll go around the table real quick. Um, so Indy Eleven has played four games this season so far. We played two games on the road, which we've won both. Uh, we played two games at home. We lost to Cincinnati, unfortunately. Why? I have no idea. Um, and we beat Nashville. Uh, we beat Richmond Kickers in North Carolina. So after the North Carolina victory, uh, which was 1-0 away from home, that was already our best start in our franchise history since 2014. Uh, we're now on nine points on possible 12. We have a new roster and a new coach. So real quickly, Rebecca, how do you feel about this team right now? feel excited i feel like we it, it will be us that holds us back if anything like we are together and we believe in each other that we can build each other into a massive force of soccer greatness and i can't wait to see how the season develops are we a playoff team we're a we're a championship team fuck yes was the answer mm. <laughs> <laughs> Gijo garden what do you think of andy 11 right now You've seen every team through, let's just say, 11.0 was Jurgen Sommer, 11.1 was Tim Reagan, 11.2 was Tim Hankinson. We're now on Martin Rennie, 11.3. does this team look right now? It's the most encouraging I felt about the team. Okay. Uh, the team looks solid all, all around. Um, I went to the first game. i got to say, after, you know, we moved to my, from Michael Carroll Stadium, this is the first time I've got to, the first game that I went to that I fully enjoyed as a fan. And the team was fun to watch. They ran a little bit out of steam after the 60th minute. I know that was the beginning of the season, and obviously they're picking it up. So I'm excited. It leads me on to one last question. Hot takes. Lucas Hall Stadium, Rebecca Townsend. I was encouraged by this massive, this, an, an extra 6,000 people that showed up all of a sudden. So even though there's still thousands of seats to fill, I see a day when the whole dang stadium is full. And I just like to see those, you know, those little steps that we're moving toward it. So let's let's fill that fucker up, and then we'll get one that's made with a real, we'll make a world-class one with grass when uh, somebody listens. Gijo, Lucas Hall Stadium. I'm glad I'm glad they made the move. I mean, I think overall, especially you know what for the players, we've got some professional players who here, the, here. the facilities at, at, at Carroll were just just not really existent for them. So I, it's it's nice for me to think about the guys we have come to Indy Eleven and they know they're being taken care of as professionals, mm-hmm. and that means a lot yeah. for the club. 
the more I was uh, I was very much on the fence. I was like was very hesitant about the whole move. I was very hesitant about uh, if we had like nine thousand people in the sixty to seventy thousand seater stadium, how it would sound mm-hmm. and how it would look on TV. Uh, but now the way they've set it up uh, for regular game, three sided with the TV cameras on one side and fill in the stadium with seventeen and a half thousand people for the first game, uh, I'm now sold. So yeah. and we you know, never have to have another rain out or run to our cars. That was a yeah. beautiful thing about that first game. It was freezing outside, yep. and I walk yep. in, I take off my jacket, I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> right. I was sweating. I was I know, on the was... field taking photos, and I had to take off two it layers. Nice. It's always it going to be a party, no matter what. They got to open up that window though, facing north. Got to open it up. Open yeah. it up. So thank you, Rebecca Townsend, and thank you, Gisrael Garden. Thank, thank you, James. Rebecca and James. You will thank hear you. more from these guys. They're they're part of the family now. Um, but we, we will let you go for this evening. And uh, coming up on the Bloody Shambles Soccer Show, we're going to have more guests. Uh, we're going to have people surrounding the team, people working for the team, players, uh, people in the media. Uh, I'm not going to give away too much, but it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, and we're going to get drunk and have laughs. And we're going to drop F-bombs and say whatever we want because we're bloody shambles. So. Shambles. May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. What, Cinco what, what, de Mayo. Is there something going on with a piñata on Cinco de Mayo? Uh, there may be a match poster involved in a piñata. Okay, well, that's exciting. And the Kentucky Derby. I'm, I'm going to quote Cardi B. Beat it up like piñatas. So for anyone that has never listened to this show before, <laughs> yes, I am the guy that does those match posters that piss you off. So we'll leave it on that point and do next time. I'm a huge fan. Bye. Ciao.